Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Steve Kopp, welcome to The Boiling Point as my co-host. I, I heard that your wife, Monica, from Acre Architects, was my replacement uh, for the last six episodes. I heard that. I didn't actually know that. I just heard that because I've been listening to the episodes, and I don't know where I've been for the last six weeks. She killed it. She, she killed, killed it. it. And, and what does that mean for you and I, brother? we got to do one up, of course. <laughs> So Dave, uh, our, our our typical co-host Dave, uh, is somewhere in the depths of Miramichi, I think, uh, running uh, an ELP session, actually, with the Wallace McCain oh, really? Institute. He's not on a couch trying to go through a McDonald's drive-thru? He could very well be doing that. That might be why he's not here. <laughs> so Steve, welcome as my co-host today. We have a very awesome guest who actually sacrificed a lot to get here, and we're, we're going to get to that a little bit later on. But I also want to say that I sacrificed a lot to get here as well because I was driving with you in the back, and I made this decision to put my coffee mug into my book bag where my computer and camera was, and it leaked all over my pants. I don't and, know. Uh, it kind of looks like I, I peed myself. Um, but uh, I just want to make sure everybody in the room understands uh, the scenario. <laughs> that you didn't pee yourself. Yeah. That's right. So, Lino, welcome to the Boiling Point podcast, my friend. How Thank are you? you? I'm doing really well. Okay. First of all, the first thing that you said when you came down, because I was complaining about the coffee spill, you had a bit of a spill yourself. I Tell wiped us out right into a snowbank. Ugh. Yeah. I felt really dumb. <laughs> Well, you know, it's got nothing to do with your intellectual capacity for falling. It's just, it's one of those ice, you know, it's a friction physics The thing. stupidity part is having both of my hands in my coat at the time. <laughs> That's not smart. <laughs> so listen, thank you for making the investment to walk down, wipe out, and get here. Uh, I think all, all of us are in that mode of like, we got here one, one minute before this thing starts, <laughs> and bam, we're going we're gonna to absolutely nail it. Okay, so Lino, we've got a story about, your, about the business and the fact that everybody gets the name of the business wrong. They, they, they do. They do. I, I want to hear it because when you told me what the wrong name was, yes. I had a little laugh because I thought it was very cute. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, it, people seem to want to call it Enkidu. Enkidu. Yes. And it's not Enkidu. It's Enkidu. It's the name of the Mesopotamian character from oh. ancient history. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't you tell us what that character was all about? Uh, you know what? It's the it's sort of the root source behind uh, what the company is and why we do what we do. Uh it's the oldest. Have you ever heard of the story of the Epic of Gilgamesh? No. So as far as I know, it's the oldest epic poem in, in human history. It's found inscribed in stone tablets in Mesopotamia, which would uh, be Iran-Iraq area today. And uh, it was the story of uh, Gilgamesh, the great king of Uruk. And he was a mad king, and he tormented his, his people. So the people cried aloud to the gods to send somebody to save them, and they sent in Kidu a wild man from the forest. And at first they fought, but in the end, Enkidu and Gilgamesh became great friends and, and he became a great uh, king as Enkidu walked beside him. And that's what we try to do in organizations. We have walk beside you and help you be better leaders and better better people. I wonder if they had the same mispronunciation problems back then. <laughs> that, that I think are... Enkidu would have beaten them up. Yeah. Enkidu. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the company. Uh, we are a... Uh, 
emotional intelligence, diversity intelligence uh, company. We use uh, data analytics and metrics to help in terms of hiring, uh, promotions, uh, organizational culture. Essentially, what we try to do is drive unconscious bias out of organizations mm -hmm. and uh, help you be better. So in the context of hiring mostly or? Um, uh, hiring is one of the pieces that our platform uh, does and it does very well. But really, you should think about it in terms of uh, organizations on the whole and culture on the whole, because hiring is, is a piece that brings people in. Mm -hmm. But how do you get people to be at their best, whether it's uh, whatever level in an organization, at leadership and, and across the board? How do you go about That's interesting. Like, it's one thing that we've obviously always have a challenge with small business as well. But how do you, uh, how do you measure emotional intelligence? Um, the best way to describe that, it, again, for some of your listeners, they may not know what emotional intelligence is. Uh, think of it the as slow a capacity. Ones, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right the guy's coffee all over the time. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> speak slowly for Greg. Um, think of it as a human capacity. It's not something you were born with. It's something you learn. It's something you develop. It's something you hone. And decades of research on hundreds of thousands of people around the globe are showing the same exact thing that the difference between people who find success and whether professional sex or uh, success or, or, or personal success, the difference between people who are successful and those who aren't have next to nothing to do with intelligence and next to nothing to do with uh, skill sets, education, learning. Mm -hmm. It's almost entirely about emotional intelligence. Um, and so the way we measure it is with uh, a process we're very proud of. It's, it's an ungameable uh, process uh, that involves a, a very, very cool 360. And you can find out all sorts of things about yourself. Um, well, let me break it down for you. There's four main pieces to emotional intelligence. Uh, there's how well you understand yourself, uh, how well you get the most out of yourself, particularly in trying situations, how well you understand the people around you, and whether you can get the best out of them. And so I mean, when you think about leadership, that's, it, sh it, it should become really easy to see how the, how the metrics would play out, right? Great leaders don't pull people behind them. They don't push them. They're, they're followed willingly, right? And that's the mark of good leadership. It's emotional intelligence. And what we do is diversity intelligence. We put the layer of diversity on top of that. It's really interesting, too, because uh, Dave... Uh, vale, who is typically our co-host, uh, co-host, he's going to kill me for saying that, who's typically the, the, the host of Blind Boy Podcast. <laughs> Dave uh, and I have been talking about this a lot when it comes to coaching, like executive coaching, leadership coaching, um, where there's a misconception out there that the coach needs to understand the technical aspects of the client yeah. to do a good job. And that's actually a myth. It's yeah, totally not absolutely. true at all. So when we look at that in the context of leadership. How interesting is it that I run a film production company, uh, but really I don't need to be an expert in the technology. And I used to be, actually, when I started this company, when it was just me, I used to be the expert on the technology. Now I'm a builder of a business. I'm not working in the business uh, uh, as a technical expert anymore. But what is it that's important? Is it technical expertise or is it the ability to connect with your your team and you know motivate and lead from behind lead from the middle and from the front uh depending on what, what what's, what's required does that resonate at all with what yeah. the type of conversations you guys are having a absolutely the technical skills are important so it's it's like i would i would never suggest that a two-eyed person close one of your eyes and walk around um skills are important um intelligence is important but they have almost universally until very recently been, been the threshold competencies 
across which people were measured that brought them into an organization. So you got hired if, you know, your resume showed you were smart and your resume showed you had the right education or right uh, skill set. But, but those aren't the things that make people good leaders. They're not the things that make people good anything, quite, quite frankly, when it comes to interacting with other human beings. Because our emotions drive our behavior. And think about this. If you, uh, if you ever received an email from a boss that said, can you be in my office at 3 o'clock? Like what happened in your head? You started spiraling with all the things you did wrong mm-hmm. that you're going to get in trouble for, yeah. right? And they may have been emailing you to give you a pat on the back for a job well done. But organizations are fundamentally hampered by risk. And depending on how you experience the individual, your risk elevates. If it's a dependable relationship where you know, you know, no matter what I do, I'm never going to get hammered by this person. It's, it's, a, it's a safe relationship. But as power goes up and uncertainty in the relationship increases, mm-hmm. r- risk takes hold. And we usually have to fight some of those inner demons that are telling us to run and, and hide. Can you tell me just you mentioned diversity and, and that, that layer coming into the emotional intelligence, but how do how do you like that seems to be a key part of, you know, your business and yeah. the, you know all that. Like how does that how does that interact? Yeah, that layer? it's it's a major differentiator. So um, the best way I could describe it to you is I'm gonna give you a few numbers. Uh, one, ten, a hundred and twelve. Not a hundred and twelve, but a hundred and twelve. Um by way of that uh, question, have either of you guys purchased a new car inside of the last five years? Mm-hmm. What kind of car was it? Honda Accord Hybrid. Was it your first Honda Accord Hybrid? <clears throat> yes. Now, the day you started driving that, do you remember how many Honda Accord Hybrids you started seeing on the road? Uh, I think I'm the only one all of the Brunswick <laughs> that actually has one, but I did start to see other Honda Accords. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the, and the reason is because that type of car was now important to you. Um, for every one neuron in your brain that brings in sensory input, we have 10 to 100 that assort that information on the inside for us. So for the most part, what our brains are really doing is talking to themselves. So the moment you, you say, hey, there's this car I like, there's pieces of your brain, one in particular being the RAS, reticular activating system, starts paying attention. Ah, oh, this is, this is kind of interesting. The day you drop, buy one and drive one off a lot, it's scanning for that particular car because it's important to you. If you want to extrapolate that, there's a reason we have these, you know, (laughs) there's words I want to use, but these notions about Chinese people not being good drivers, women not being good leaders. They have very little to do with reality, but the reality for certain people, because that's what that, those unconscious pieces of their brain are looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, studies show us if you have a male in a position of leadership and he's seen as flexible, he's generally deemed to be a better leader. A woman in a position of leadership who is seen as flexible is generally deemed to be weaker. Mm-hmm. So you can have two different human beings having the same exact behavior, but they'll be perceived differently by those other folks. And where does that come from? Is that just from cultural expectations from the past? Like, where, where, why is that the case? Because all of us recognize it's not, that's not reality. Right. That- yeah, Jess, Jess may say, I'm not the bad driver. Greg driving backwards down the driveway. Hauling oh, are you going there? I just went there, Greg. Come on. <laughs> So, a quick or is aside, it Lino, drivers are not good. I uh, okay. This is a perfect example where um, perfect time for an apology the, the, to the Jess. The female now. in my life is considerably more evolved than I because <laughs> this lazy guy here decided to take the garbage down the driveway, driving backwards with the garbage out with my arm <laughs> with my door open. Oh, no. I used my Honda Hybrid uh, rear, you know, TV screen. You know, yeah. I'm looking there. 
forgetting that there's a tree on the left. <laughs> so my door wide open, garbage, hits the tree, bends backwards, $3,500 damage. Oh. So that's what Steve's referencing. Uh, so going right back to the point, uh, the reality isn't necessarily... <laughs> The case we all recognize that. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to demean myself any further. <laughs> but let me pick up on that. Okay. So here's here's the key. If you get in that accident, people will say it's because you did something dumb. And I did. If a woman gets in that same accident, people will say it's because she's female. Right. If you bad think driver. exactly, yeah. bad drivers are female. They'll look for right? that. Link. Exactly. That's what they're looking for, and because they have a pre-existing context, that's what it'll latch onto. We have heuristics that we cut, make little shortcuts. And our implicit biases work with them. So if you think of uh, the word old and young, which one do you connect more to forgetful? Old. Young people forget things, but old people are forgetful. Mm -hmm. So if you think of the word uh, promiscuous, do you think female or men? Well, men are studs. We're not promiscuous. Mm -hmm. So, And we have a whole litany of words that get applied to women. So there's this social landscape in which we live that unfortunately puts an awful lot of um, biases filtered through how we've learned to see the world. And that plays out in organizations, right? It, if you look at the Fortune 500 companies, what percentage of their boards are female? What percentages of their boards are, say, people of color or LGBTQ plus? Like, it, it, it unfortunately bleeds through organizations, and it's not because people are purposefully trying to do it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just not the way of things. So how, how do we break this? Is your company part of that solution? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, using our metrics, using our data analytics, we can absolutely drive that kind of unconscious bias out of organizations. It, it helps to be able to do it at the, you know, with young organizations, just get it out of the hiring rate from the beginning. But we, our culture audits, our team compositions, uh, we, find your star, we can find your star performers and help you model them. So we call, we call them the, the EQ blueprint where we can actually blueprint the, the best and, and the most capable. So you could look for that again. I, exactly. And it's, not, and it's not about, uh, it's not about cookie cutters uh, because the people you bring in are, have differences, but it's about their capacity to be at their best in spite of how may they, they might get treated. If you think about salespeople hitting their numbers, you know, those salespeople who end up being really great salespeople can do well in spite of the stressors on them. Mm -hmm. If you think about um, contact centers, <laughs> It's a difficult thing to be at your best when someone's yelling at you on a phone, you know, because whether it's their bill wasn't what it was supposed to be. Those people who are able to, to rally their emotions and their cognitive centers to be at their best when people are actually mistreating them, those are the people that help to build healthy cultures. Those are the people that get to drive innovation, get to drive enthusiasm, all those things you want in your organizations. That's what, that's what we do. And how does it work? Um, like you, you call the platform <clears throat> is, and we're talking big data and a whole bunch of other things. Like what is the product itself? So we have a, a number of different things across, across the platform. Number one, we have really powerful keynotes, fancy people like me coming and talk to you. Right. <laughs> uh, we have extended training programs, uh, e-learning. Uh, then there's our, our base software. So I, I should get our, uh, our CTO to come in and talk about all that stuff because that's beyond my, that's beyond my pay grade. Uh, but uh, what we can do is in a very short period of time uh, with our un ungameable system, in about 20 minutes, you do a short little assessment and you will learn more about yourself than you likely ever had a chance to. And the reason is this, everybody knows people who are, are rude, right? 
But rude people don't think of themselves as rude. Rude people think of themselves as forthright. <laughs> they just tell you the way it is, right. right? It's the same thing in terms of micromanagers. Micromanagers aren't bad people, and they're generally people who did a job really, really well, and they got promoted. And just because you did job A really well doesn't mean you become a good leader, right? So micromanagers are, generally speaking, trying to help their people do a job well and what they don't realize is there's multiple ways to get a job done. It doesn't have to be done your way. And so the impact on staff, the impact around you is, is just, it's enormous. Um, have either of you ever had a micromanaging boss? Ooh, I don't know if uh, Monica will want me to talk about that. Yeah, so so our, our last co-host uh, is probably listening. Hi, Monica. How are you? Uh, <laughs> Not a micromanager. No, if you, if you haven't, you're fortunate. Uh, so many people do. And just as by way of an example, uh, if you have a Monday to Friday, nine to five job and you have a micromanaging boss, your stress will generally start to start on Sundays around three to five o'clock because there's a little piece of brain. Everybody's heard the term freeze fight or fight and flight. That was coined a hundred years ago. It's actually freeze, flight and fight in that order. And that that's the fourth number I wanted to give you 12 milliseconds. That can snap in in 12 milliseconds and start to stress out your system. That's what's behind road rage. That's what's behind pretty much every single activity that's ever happened where someone wakes up in a jail cell and says, what did I just do last night? Because they weren't thinking when it happened. And so it, you get an elevated baseline level of stress. You start to stress about what's going to happen when I go to work tomorrow. And it can actually cause real physiological uh, issues if, if left unchecked for long periods of time. And, and that's the kind of thing that organizations have a hard time pulling out. It's a difficult thing to find micromanagers. So better to figure out who the micromanagers are before you put them in place. Mm -hmm. So, Lino, the, the business problem that you're solving, let, let's use my company as an example. It's yeah. a very small company, production company, works with a number of different uh, generations of people, a lot, a lot of millennials yes. as an example. And that very uh, experience has really opened my eyes, you know, being uh, the hipster Gen Xer that I think I am. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, I'm reminded how old I am on a regular basis. <laughs> so I might come in and say, hey guys, what's up? Uh, and I'll be reminded, what do you mean guys? You know, there's, there's girls here too. And there's, there's other people who are, uh, who don't want to be identified with a, a gender pronoun at all. And I'm like, okay, teach, teach, teach. Right, you know? right, right. Um, there's gonna be a whole podcast on that experience as well. How, like, uh, what is your company going to do to help an organization like mine that has a very diverse workforce, um, and a leadership team that really wants to do the right thing mm -hmm. at all times, but you know, maybe thinks we have high levels of emotional intelligence that probably doesn't. Right. What's what's the solution? What's the pain point that you're solving? Uh, um, so again, yeah, you just brought it right back to our platform. Um, human beings, every single one of us, we judge ourselves by our intent. Everybody else judges us by our impact. And, and the problem is you can have uh, leaders who will say, oh, I have an open door policy. They don't really think about the fact nobody walks through the door, right? So they judge themselves as open people. They'll see themselves as friendly. They'll see themselves as welcoming. But the proof is in the pudding. So what our process, what our system, uh, right down to training and e-learning and all of those pieces, they help. It's, it's, think of it as magic glasses where you can look through the magic glasses and see how you are truly perceived. Because that's what our 360 process does. You measure yourself cool. in that process and then you get the measurement back from from people with whom you work. And 
it, it's all, we use positive psychology too. You're not hammering people. Um, but we also have an awful lot of IP. Um, we've got over a million words of text in the background of this software. So what happens is uh, pick any one of our 36 uh, rating scales. If you rate yourself an eight and say together the amalgam, your raters score you a five, there's a really specific text that comes out to tell you what that means, what that means for you and what you might try to do to be able to, to you know, build that. If you have a 10 and they think you're a five, that's, that's, a, that's a big issue. And so in the same way, what does it mean? What does it mean for you? Why might this be? And how might, what might you do to kind of push this, push this forward? So it, it, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And because we have the, the diversity aspect to it, we have gender delineations. And so you can see yourself, if you're female, where other females relate in relation to everybody who's ever done the score. Mm -hmm. So you're getting rated against other females, not males and females together. Again, because of those biases that are in, in society, we, we rate people against measures that are often unfair and not appropriate. We're, we're looking at this, uh, I'm just thinking about diversity and in our field of architecture, women are vastly unrepresented, especially mm -hmm. in leadership positions. This is, of course, the case in many, but in our field, it's it's huge. It goes 50-50 in architecture school, and then it just tanks. Yep. And so what we're doing is we're going to start investigating this on numerous levels, and I know there's many factors, but maybe on an emotional intelligence level, like are there, are, how would you describe or have you seen patterns between female leaders and male leaders of organizations? In terms of what, just well, maybe emotional intelligence. Um, I know they historically they they come with different ways of approaching things. So we're we're sort of searching for like what is the missing voices that in our industry are literally missing. So what are we missing? Right. So I'm gonna in trying to answer that, I'm gonna pull us back to the notion of the culture audit that we do. Um, and again, I want to really stress it, it is few and far between that you will have. A, organizational leadership that wakes up in the morning and, you know, rubs their hands together and let's screw them. That's not, that's not what happens, mm -hmm. right? What happens is we have these unconscious biases so that when we look at certain people's work, it just seems better. I, I feel more comfortable with that person, that, that, on, that person gets me. Mm -hmm. So who might get the extra little opportunities that drive them up the promotional scale and all of those other things. Th those things come very clear in our culture audits. The piece that's harder to see and the, the, the reason that our platform is so powerful, um, I'll try and describe it to you this way. I, my, my brother is an urban planner. So that means he doesn't understand what I do as a sociologist. Right. Um, he's all, I'm also his, his younger brother. He's 10 years older than me. So no matter what I do in my life, I will always be his punk kid brother. <laughs> About 13 years ago or so, I was trying to explain the answer to this, this question you just asked. Mm. Because there are all sorts of things that influence people in terms of where they go. So the, the, short, the short suggestion in the answer to your question is, you know, not enough women apply. Women aren't qualified. That's why they don't get hired. And the men in your organization or other architecture firms, they're just, they're just better suited. And that's, that's the simplistic reason why. Yeah. The more complex reason is this. As I said to my brother, I was trying to explain it and he said, um, you know what? I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. So what are you talking about? I said, okay, you want to go to Mississippi? Now, what the folks uh, listening can't tell is I, I have brown skin, as does my brother. 
And he didn't answer me. And I said, seriously, do you, do you want to go to Mississippi? And he finally says, no. I said, would you like to go to Alabama? Hang out for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Why not? And I finally got at him. I wouldn't feel safe there. He's never been to Mississippi or Alabama. He's never spoken to anyone from there. He's never read a book about it. He's probably seen a movie called Mississippi Burning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows a little bit about the antebellum south of the United States. And now he doesn't want to go to Mississippi. Now, I can look at him and say, you're an idiot. The Delta Blues, you got to go to Mississippi. He won't want to go to Mississippi. And there will be a whole host of young professionals in architecture firms yeah. that are female who see the echelon and never even apply, who never even try to go there mm-hmm. because the cultural landscape of that organization shows them every single day, A, where they see. belong. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what you see. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is absolutely important. Mm-hmm. It's not a cognitive decision. You don't, you don't wake up and say, I'm not going to try and, you know, (laughs) get a better lot. I'm not going to try for that promotion. You don't want to. (laughs) So that's, that's the kind of insidious stuff that that we're really driven to, to, to help with. That's, that's what we do. Uh, So when we designed the company, when we designed the software, it was all in mind to help organizations that want to get healthier, they want to have cultures that allow people to thrive, regardless of who and, and what they are, that's what we wanted to be a part of. And that's why we created Enkidu. And, and not Enkidu. And not Enkidu. <laughs> Enkidu. Luno, this has been awesome, man. What a, what, a, what a cool thing. What a cool experience. Thank to, you. Mm-hmm. And also, like, a lot of our guests that we talk to are business people who are, uh, by design, trying to make positive impact in the world. And it sounds like you're trying to hack... Um, hack a major problem that we have in the world, which is assumptions uh, about ourselves, assumptions about others, uh, and everything that you have defined today as emotional intelligence, such a critical part of how we design companies and leadership in this new economy. Absolutely. And we, even on ours, I think Greg and our companies are a little bit alike in the sense, this may sound funny, but like we, we, we believe that, uh, you know, culture trumps talent when we're looking f- for what we're all about, right? Not to say we're always looking for talent, but like you can kind of teach that and it comes, you know, with training, but keeping that culture in an office is right now, it seems to be a huge, like it's the core of everything. Just and to build. Lose a skill either, does it? Mm. No. And just to build on that, healthy culture breeds talent. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. So how do people get a hold of you and also the company? How do they engage uh, and, uh, and take this to the next level? We have a delightful website. Delightful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. It's in kidu360.com. Uh, E-N-K-I-D-U-360.com. <laughs> um, that's probably the easiest way to, to reach us. And um, just to end this on a, on a lovely note, uh, going back to my incompetence as a human being, um, I just texted my wife and I said, babe, is there any way you can bring some dry pants uh, when you pick me up because we're going on a trip? <laughs> and I am still soaked, like absolutely soaked with coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, Lito, thank you so much for coming down, man. Absolutely. Really, really appreciate my it. Pleasure. And uh, apologize for all the snow, you know, like like we made you slip, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try and come back someday <laughs> when I'm not afraid. All right, Lido, thank you. Steve, thank you. This is round one All right. of six. We're taking those down. Take that, Dave. Take Dave and Monica. I don't want to say take them down. What am I talking about? We're just going to build on the brilliance that the two of them created together. Sure. Is that a nice sure. 
emotionally yeah. intelligent way of it. It was a lot. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.